for being with us today. We are continuing in our series called Third Person, and this whole series really is based on or looking at, if you will, the Holy Spirit and His role in our hearts and in our lives. Uh, You know, and here's the thing that we get all the time, you know, why are we calling it third person? Well, the reason for that is a lot of people don't really know or understand a whole lot about this third person, which is the Holy Spirit. You know, people say, well, hey, I know God the Father, I know Jesus the Son, but who's this other guy? You know, that is the third person, the Holy Spirit. And so we want to take some time and really just see what it is the Holy Spirit does in our hearts and in our lives and what's going on. So with that in mind, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you so much for this day you've given us. Thank you for the time to be here in the house today. Open our hearts and help us to receive from you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Turn to somebody around you and say, I'm glad you made it to church today. Glad you made it to church today. Now look at somebody else and tell them, say, you need a little church. Amen. So good to see you guys today. Good to have you. Hey, let me ask you a question real quick. How many of you guys have ever heard of the phrase unrequited love? Raise your hand if you know what that is. Man, there are some smart people in the house today. Come on. You ever heard of that phrase, unrequited love? Now, some of you may be asking, what exactly does that mean? Unrequited love simply is a love that is one-sided. That's what unrequited love is. So it's, it's, it's kind of like maybe someone loves you, but you don't love them back. Or maybe you love someone that doesn't love you back. That's unrequited love. That's what it is. And how many of you know that all of us at some point in time have probably experienced that in our lives? For instance, when I was in high school coming up, well, not high school. Let me back that up a little bit. Maybe grade school. When I was in grade school, uh, how many of you, put that slide on the screen right there. How many of you guys ever saw this note right here? Come on, did anybody ever see that? Holler at me if you are in my age group, Amen. <laughs> Come on, you used to pass him little notes, I like you, do you like me? Come on, check yes or no, which one is it? And so you would pass these notes out if you really liked someone or if you wanted someone to like you, you'd pass these notes out. Now, if you're like me, if if you're like me, here is kind of what I got back in return. They would say, who are you, weirdo? Amen. Come on, has anybody ever had that to happen? See, here's what I understand. If I had Gary Whaley's looks, if I had Thomas Hammond's money, then they would have checked yes the whole time. Come on, somebody. So I go through my school life in elementary, and this is what I get. And some of you are thinking, well, man, that happened to me too. Here's the reality. Psychology Today did a poll and found 98% of Americans have been on one side or the other of unrequited love. 98% of Americans. So pretty much everybody in this room has been on that side to where somebody maybe loved you, you didn't love them back, or you really loved someone and they didn't love you back. So it wasn't kind of reciprocated there But you understand that's nothing new, right? You you get that. 
Because we see this happening all throughout the scriptures and all throughout the Bible. We see this over and over and over again. We see the nation Israel and and how they make comments and how they, they serve God and fall away from God and serve God and fall away from God. And then there's comments in the scripture that says Israel has left the wife of her youth. What's that talking about? That's talking about God. You know, I read in 1 Kings the other day, I was reading about Solomon. Solomon was the wisest, richest man in the world. Solomon had an amazing start in his life. He started out with such a passion, such a desire uh, for God, so much so that God asked him a question and said, ask me anything you want and I'll give it to you. Come on, how many of you would love for God to ask you something like that? Like, whatever you want, I'll give it to you. And so Solomon said, Lord, all I want is wisdom. He had a passion for God, a hunger for God. But later in his life, Solomon did what? He turned his heart away from God. He started serving false gods and false idols. And so there was the unrequited love happening. You fast forward to the New Testament, and if you look at Revelations chapter 2, it talks about a church in Ephesus, and it says they left their first love. See, it's real easy to start out your Christian life on fire for God with full of passion and desire and zeal and really going after the things of God. But somewhere in this thing called life, we tend to walk away and God is doing the loving and we're doing the walking. Let me ask you a question. Don't raise your hand. Just let this sit in your hearts for a minute. How many of you in here today have been closer in your relationship with God than you are right now? Let that settle. How many of you in here today have been closer to God in your relationship than you are right now? You understand God didn't move. You get that, right? It's like the story of a guy and his wife, and they just got married. And, and come on, guys, how many of you remember when you used to drive the pickup truck, and he would drive, and he'd throw his arm up over the seat, and she would sit right next to him, and it was honeymoon, and it was great, and it was wonderful. Well, over the years... They kind of got further apart to where he's over here, she's over here. So one day they're driving down the road and she looked at him and she says, honey, she said, I don't understand it. He said, what do you mean? She said, well, when we first got married, we were up under one another and now we're apart. The husband looked at her and said, well, babe, you know, I ain't moved. I'm still driving. So you understand if you are not as close to God as you once were before, God hasn't moved. We have. But here's the good news that I want to give you today. This third person we're talking about, this Holy Spirit, one of the jobs, one of his roles is to help restore the intimacy that we once had with God. Now let me just kind of give you three ways that he does that today. Three ways that the Holy Spirit restores our intimacy back to God. So if you're taking notes, you might want to write these down. The first way is this. Number one, I think is really important that we grab this is he clears out the barriers to intimacy. He clears out the barriers to intimacy. Now let's just be honest, because I think all of us can probably identify that there are times in our life where there's something that's blocking our intimacy with God. You know, you come into the church and you're singing the songs and you're taking notes and you're, you're serving on the team, but something inside, there's just this emptiness, there's no joy, and you feel like you're going through the motions. You ever been there before? You're just kind of going through the motions, but 
We shouldn't be too surprised that that happens because we do that in human relationships all the time. There's this issue that's there. There's something that's there. There's something blocking intimacy. And we know what the issue is, right? We just don't want to deal with it. And so we walk around it. We clean around it. We sweep around it. But the whole time there's this glaring issue right here that's keeping me from an intimate relationship, maybe with my spouse, maybe with my kids, maybe with a coworker, whatever the case. There's something that's keeping me away from them, but we don't want to deal with it. And it's the same thing with God. We, we walk in this thing called life and there's these issues that come up in our lives and we don't want to deal with them and so we just kind of let them sit there. But the whole time God is over here and we keep getting further and further away from Him. He didn't move, we did. Why? Because there's this issue here that we don't want to deal with. Well, you understand that the Holy Spirit's job is to bring these issues to light. Let me show you what I'm talking about in John chapter 16. Verse 7 through 9, Jesus says, hey, it's best for you that I go away. Why? Because if I don't, the advocate, he's talking about the Holy Spirit, won't come. But if I go away, I will send him to you. And when he comes, watch this, this is one of the things he does. He will convict the world of its sin. We talked about this last week and we said that Jesus comes and he knocks on the door of our heart and the Holy Spirit is what? He's the doorbell. Like, ding dong, what are you going to do with that sin? Ding dong, what are you going to do with those issues? Ding dong, what are you going to do with your life? Ding dong, that's the Holy Spirit. And so you may be asking, well, how can the Holy Spirit increase my intimacy by doing that? And the sad reality is that it doesn't for a lot of people because they confuse two words that I want you to get today. They confuse conviction with condemnation. You understand those are two totally separate words. Conviction is simply declaring you guilty of an offense. Hey, I did that. I own up to it. That was me. Condemnation is declaring you unfit and unacceptable. But you understand that God never approaches His children that way. Only the enemy does that. Satan is the accuser of the brethren. Jesus is the Savior. Satan is the author of condemnation, but God never is. How do I know that? Romans chapter 8 verse 1 There is now what? No condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. Matter of fact, here's how God approaches us. 1 John chapter 1 verse 9. If we confess our sins to Him, God can be depended on to forgive us and cleanse us from every wrong. So watch this. When we confess our sins to God, God forgives us our sins. He cleanses us. But here's the problem. You can't confess it unless you know about it. And that's the Holy Spirit's job. And we need the Holy Spirit to do His job really well because we can rationalize almost anything. We tell ourselves rational lies. And one of the things that we grab hold to that is a lie is this thing, condemnation. I I walk around feeling like I'm less than, feeling like I don't measure up. That's condemnation. And let me just tell you what happens to me. when Sometimes when I pray, I'll go in and I'll start praying and I'm seeking God. And all of a sudden I feel His presence. I sense everything's good. And then the Holy Spirit shows up and speaks to my heart and says, uh, Ding dong. Hey, you know, you could have handled that situation a little better. Hey, you could have been a little bit more patient with your kids. 
hey, you look, could have been a little bit more patient with Misty the other day. And so when that happens, you understand that I have a decision to make. At that moment, I can either hide it and pretend it didn't happen. I can rationalize it. I can let it beat me down and sit up under condemnation. Or I can accept the guilty verdict and do what God has called me to do. Father, I'm sorry. I messed up. I dropped the ball over there. God, forgive me and help me. And it isn't long that when when I do it God's way, I start to sense the forgiveness of God. I start to sense this unconditional love wash over me. And I'm drawn into His presence at a deeper level level. Why? Because we've dealt with these barriers that has blocked me from getting to God. Are you with me today? So the Holy Spirit convicted me and made a way for the barrier to be removed so that I can go back into intimacy with God. And that's part of his job. Here's the second way the Holy Spirit brings us into intimacy with God. Number two, he conveys our love to God. He conveys our love to God. Jesus was asked one time to sum up the law, and here's what he said without any hesitation whatsoever. He says, number one, love God. Love God. And he didn't say love God half-heartedly. He didn't say love God on Sunday and just, you know, walk away from him Monday through Saturday. He said love God, Mark 12, 30. Watch what he says here. Love God with what? Come on, three of you got it. Love God with... All of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. You understand he's talking about worship here. He's he's talking about how we are to acknowledge that God is the only one in our lives worthy of worship. And we give him all the honor that he deserves. The problem is for most people, worship is reduced to songs. Certainly nothing wrong with that. But worship is more than just singing songs. Matter of fact, worship is something that you can't even do on your own. Do you realize that? Look at John chapter 4, verse 21 and 23. Jesus is having this encounter with the woman at the well. He said, it's not where we worship that counts, but how we worship. Is our worship spiritual and real? Do we have the Holy Spirit's help? Watch this. For God is spirit, and we must have his help to worship as we should. Did you hear that? We need the Holy Spirit to help us to worship. John 4, 24. For God is spirit. They that worship him must worship him in what? Spirit and in truth. So God is spirit, and because he is spirit, in order for us to genuinely worship God like we should, we need the Holy Spirit to energize us in who we are to worship in spirit and in truth. You understand there's a human side to that and a divine side to that. What are we talking about? In spirit. The Holy Spirit energizes the essence of who you are to worship God. You worship Him in truth. What are you doing? You worship Him with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. That's how you're worshiping God. So let's break that down real quick. What does that mean to worship heart, soul, mind, and strength? What is your heart? Your, your heart is your emotions. That's your passions. You know, some people teach that there's, that there's no place for emotions in worship. And as a result, you've got icicles in the pews and a polar bear in the pulpit preaching about nothing. And nothing's happening in Jesus' name. Listen, I'm not saying you got to get crazy, you got to run laps and all that, but you got to worship God with your heart. Engage your emotions. 
If you're joyful right now, worship God. If you're hurting right now, worship God. There are times when you come before God and all you can do is cry. And listen, this is a safe place to cry. This is a safe place to get it out. If you're humbled, bow down to God, kneel down to God, worship God with all of your heart. But then you worship Him with your soul. What is that? That's your will, your ego. That's the essence of who you are. And listen, worship is not a time for you to be self-conscious. Well, I'm worried. Are they going to say nothing if I don't raise my hand? Are they going to say something if I do raise my hand? I don't know. Listen, why are you worried about all that? You're in God's presence to worship Him and give everything you got to Him. Then He says, worship Him with your mind. That's your thoughts, your intellect. And so many times we come into God's house and we're emotionally engaged, but our minds are somewhere else. And we don't give God our minds. And you understand that the songs we sang this morning are actually declarations to God. You, you get that, right? You, you're making some declarations to God when you sing these songs. But here's what you got to be careful of. Deuteronomy chapter 23, 21 says, If you make a promise to give something to the Lord your God, don't be slow to pay it. Because the Lord your God demands it from you. Don't be guilty of sin. When you're in this moment and you're worshiping God with your heart, your soul, and your mind, and you start making declarations to God, be careful because God says, hey, if you're making that declaration, I expect you to follow through with it. So when you're worshiping God, you got to give Him everything you've got. And then the last one is your strength. That's your, that's your energy, your physical being. And that means different things to different people. You know, how many of you have ever seen a Green Bay Packer football game? Come on, anybody ever seen that on TV? The frozen tundra. Come on, somebody. It is zero degrees, and you got folks half-naked painted their bodies up, and they are celebrating a football game like crazy. And then you've got folks that don't care sitting back in their recliner where the heat is. Here's the thing. When it comes to worshiping God, I'm not saying you need to run laps. I'm not saying you need to sling your weave off your head onto somebody else's. I'm not saying you need to run the back of the pews. I'm not saying any of that. What I'm saying is worship God the way you feel led to worship God. And there's lots of physical expressions in worship throughout the Bible. We can bow, we can clap, we can sing, we can dance, we can raise hands, we can play instruments. All of that is Scripture. Paul says this in Romans 12.1. He says, So dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because all He has done for you. Let, them be a li- let Him be a living and holy sacrifice. What is that? Heart, soul, mind, and strength. Let it be a living sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. So you're worshiping God with everything you've got when you come into his presence. And again, when you do that, the Holy Spirit comes in. He clears out the barriers. He conveys our love to God. But then here's the third thing. The Holy Spirit is active in our prayers. He's active in our prayers. Do you realize that? Philippians chapter 4 verse 6. Watch what Paul says. He says, don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, what? Pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. Letting God know your concerns. You know what he's saying here? Worry is human. That's what it is. You're going to go through life. And the younger you are, you tend to worry less. The older you are, you tend to worry a little bit more. Come on, does anybody feel that? When you go through life, you're going to worry, 
But here's what he says. When you start worrying, you've got to redirect that worry into prayer. The Apostle Paul says, hey, turn your worries to God in faith. You ever heard somebody say, man, I'm just so worried I can't even pray. You ever heard that before? Let's just be honest today, guys. There are times in our life where you don't know how to pray. You ever been there before? There's times in our lives where the weight of the world is on your shoulders and you're going through some stuff and you're battling some stuff and you're hurting so deeply that words won't even come out of your mouth. You're groaning. You're so confused. You don't even know what to ask for. Can anybody relate to that? It is in that moment that the Holy Spirit, that's His job to help us with that. Watch what Paul says again in Romans chapter 8, verse 26 and 27. The Holy Spirit helps us in our what? Our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads with us believers in harmony with God's own will. You know what he's saying? The Holy Spirit knows you better than you know yourself. He knows what you're battling with. He knows what's in your heart. And there are times where when you don't even have the words to express it, the Holy Spirit does. And when that happens, you won't understand. You don't have the words. But all you know is there's this sense of peace that you have touched the heart of God. And I know this may be stretching some of you right now. Because I want you to think about these two key passages, Philippians and Romans. Paul is describing two types of praying right here. He's saying, hey, there's going to be one prayer you're going to pray, and your mind is fully engaged. You're telling God what you need. But there's going to be other times in your life where the Spirit is conveying your heart back to God. Let me ask you a question. Which one is more important to pray? Before you speculate that answer, let me tell you what Paul said about his own prayer life in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, 15 through 17. He says, well then, what shall I do? I will pray in the Spirit and I'll pray with words I understand. I will sing in the Spirit and I will sing in words I understand. The Holy Spirit is active in every area of our prayer life. He's there to increase that intimacy with God. How does He do that? He removes those barriers. He'll bring some things to your heart, bring some things to your mind, so that you can get a glimpse of how much He loves you. I want that to settle in just for a moment. How many times do we go through life and we know there's a barrier? It's, it's here. But I don't want to deal with it. But the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart saying, Hey, ding dong. Ding dong. Got this barrier right here. Ding dong. You going to deal with it? Ding dong. What are you going to do with it? It's, it's sitting there. Ding dong. Why? Because He wants to move that so that you can draw closer to God. He removes the barriers. He conveys our love back to God. How? By empowering our worship. Heart, soul, mind, strength. By meeting our needs, even when we don't even know what to pray and don't have words, the Holy Spirit is active in our prayers. The bottom line today, guys, is the Holy Spirit wants an intimate relationship with you and I. 
He didn't move. We did. So if you're in here today and you're saying, man, I, I, want, that, I want that desire back. I want that desire back. I want to I go back into that prayer closet. I want to get back into His Word. I, I, I want to get back into this, to this thing where I just, I just love Him and I just randomly start talking to Him during the day. Not because it's my prayer time, but because I love Him so much I just want to share my heart with Him. You don't know how to do that? Let me give you three bullets real quick. Number one, it all starts by accepting a fresh start from Jesus. That's the starting point. that's the starting point. You got to come back to Jesus. You got to open your heart up to Him. And for some of you in the house today, you may be saying, well, well, Pastor Man, I I don't know. I've been kind of doing this thing called life on my own and I'm not finding any satisfaction. I'm not finding any fulfillment. Here's your starting point, guys. It all starts with Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a what? A new person. A new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. Here's the second thing. You've got to develop a hunger for more of Jesus. Develop a hunger for more of Jesus. Matthew 5.6 Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be filled. How do I develop a hunger? How many of you guys remember, I remember like years ago, my great-grandmother cooking fried chicken. Come on, I know we're close to lunchtime. How many of you remember like Crisco cooked fried? Come on. Yeah, there's the hands. You know what I'm talking about. I ain't talking about no extra olive, olive, whatever you call that stuff, that olive oil stuff. I'm talking about a tub of Crisco flopped on the counter with great-grandma's hands scooping it in there and putting it into an iron skillet, come on, holla at me, fried chicken. When I walked into the house after school, the fried, man, the aroma filled the house. I don't care if I had eaten before I got there. It was something about the aroma that filled that house, that stirred up a hunger in me. And she would always ask me, she'd say, son, you want some chicken? i say, girl, you know I do. <laughs> so she'd put it in a plate and homemade biscuits. I'm making you real hungry to leave here today. Some homemade biscuits. Come on, how many of you guys remember molasses? I felt the Holy Ghost right there. Did y'all feel him? I felt him dancing all over my heart right there. Come on, how many of you remember molasses in Jesus' name? See, if you don't know what molasses is, the butter run off your biscuit a long time ago. You need to get you some molasses. Amen. Come on, give God some praise for molasses. (laughs) There needs to be an aroma in your house of the presence of God. 
needs to be an aroma in your life for the presence of God so that when you walk into a space, when you walk into your home, when you walk into your prayer closet, there's an aroma of the presence of God that it doesn't matter what you've been through. It doesn't matter what you've gone through. It doesn't matter what life is thrown at you. When you walk into that area, there's an aroma there that says, I just got to get to him and I don't care what's going on. I just want him. I want to read his word. I want to get into that prayer closet. There's an aroma that saturated your life. You got to get that. But then finally, here's the third thing. How do I get that intimacy? I've never had it before. It starts with Jesus. You get a hunger for Jesus. And you just simply ask the Holy Spirit to fill you. Luke 11, 10 through 13. This is the message. It says, don't bargain with God. Be direct. Ask Him for what you need. Don't you think the Father who conceived you in love will give you the Holy Spirit when you ask Him? Holy Spirit, I need you. And I don't want to do this thing called life without you. Remember we talked about last week how Jesus in the flesh, we think that's the greatest thing, but Jesus said, oh no, it's better for you if I go away so the Holy Spirit can come. And so if that describes where you are, here's how you get back. Go to Jesus. Develop a hunger for Jesus and simply ask Him to fill you. And that's it. You know, I think so many times people get so caught up on the gifts. Well, is this going to happen? Am I going to get goosebumps on my goosebumps? Am I going to do this? Listen, why don't you just focus on Him? Just focus on Him. And let Him saturate your life in such a way that the experience you have with Him is like nothing before and there's a longing to get back to Him every day. So stand with me where you are. Father, we love You today. We thank You for moments like this. Just to come and be in Your presence, gather in this house. Father, we know that... Lord, life is tough. There's, there's so many different things that are being thrown at us on a daily basis. I mean, God, here we are, and we've got, we've got COVID. We've got the killer hornets. We've got hurricanes. Lord, we even got some earthquakes. And all of this stuff is happening. All of this stuff probably should be shaking us to the core, but God... Our trust is in You. We rest in You and You alone. And we give our lives to You. Jesus, we need You. Help us. Help us today. Maybe you're in here today. Bow your heads with me if you would. Maybe you're in here today. And you say, Pastor, man... I don't know. I just kind of floated in here today. You understand it was a setup. God set you up. He brought you here for a reason for for this moment in time right now to have that connection with Him. To turn your heart and life over to Him. And say, Father, I truly worship You. And I need You. So if you're in here today and if you've never accepted Him as your Lord and Savior, man, this is your moment. This is your time. We're not here to embarrass you. 
So here's what I'd ask. If you mean business with God, He means business with you. If you say, Pastor, that's me, man. I'm ready to go all in for Jesus. Tired of being the CEO of my life? I resign today. Raise your hand all over the house and say, I'm going in. I'm going in. I'm going in. I'm giving Him all I got. Seize the hand. I'm giving Him everything I got. Seize the hand. I'm giving Him it all to Him. I'm not playing games anymore. I'm turning everything I've got over to Him. Now look at me real quick. Hands down, look at me. We're a family, right? As a family, this is something we pray together. If it weren't for COVID, I'd have everybody in this house around the altar right now. But COVID, we got to be careful. But here's what I want to do. I want to celebrate the hands that were raised in this house today. I want to celebrate them. So here's what I need you to do. Pray this prayer after me. Lord Jesus, I am a sinner in need of a Savior. And Father, I believe that you died on the cross and you rose the third day. And I ask you now to forgive me of my sins, to cleanse me, to make me whole. Father, help me. Holy Spirit, guide me. Convict me so that I could have intimacy with God. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. I want you to give God the biggest hand clap of praise you can all over this house. Come on, amen.